0: It's very good to be with you today. Um, and uh, in the moment, I do want to get into the Word. Uh, I want to share truth from God's Word, a message with you today. Um, uh, and I would love to, uh, to spend time uh, reminiscing and sharing a lot of memories because there are a lot of good memories uh, here um, um, it's where we started our family and uh, a lot a lot, of, a lot of amazing memories here. And I'd love to spend time thanking People and, and sharing memories and sharing about the privilege. That's why I got a handheld microphone so I could do this. One. <laughs> Gee, thank you, Amy. And Jerry, thank you. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's more coming or something here now. <laughs> I'd love to spend time doing that, um, though we'd honestly probably be here quite a while, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think I would make it through there because there are too many people to thank, and uh, so I'm just going to share a few words, and if it seems as though I'm reading, it's because we would be here a very long time, and so I, I did write out a few things, and then I want to jump into God's Word. Um, Ten years ago... Uh, thereabouts, roughly speaking. Uh, I started attending here as a student from Trinity. If you see a trend going on, it seems to be happening. Um, And and helping with youth ministry, learning from uh, Pastor Ben. And I'm glad that God led me to join that team. I'm glad that there was somebody attending this church who happened to be a a roommate of my wife at Presentation College who happened to be going to the church here. And because of that, she happened to get connected in the church and started in youth ministry. And because of that, because I was dating her, I was looking for an opportunity to serve in youth ministry. And because my wife was here, hey, it was an opportunity to work out. And thank you, Ben, for the opportunity to learn from you there. Um, It's just amazing how God connects these dots and puts these pieces together. And uh, a couple years later, I had the privilege of being part of the amazing staff here at AFA with the opportunity to learn from continuing with Pastor Ben, and Pastor Brad, and Pastor Gary. And uh, to, to say it's been an honor and a privilege is certainly an understatement um, in many, many ways. And in the same way, it's been an honor and a privilege to lead and to serve alongside such an incredible team um, It's been an honor and a privilege to lead and serve alongside such an incredible team, partnering with families here at AFA. Not just in this building, but in the Aberdeen area, because it's so much bigger than this building, and you see that and you live that out. And again, I can never thank people enough, and uh, and if I'm honest, well, actually, I don't need to be honest, because you know (laughs) I wouldn't make it through (laughs) a time of thanking everyone, and I would certainly miss people who certainly deserve um, honoring. And so today I thank you and I honor you. But I also want to get into God's word for my last service here. And and share truth. You know, for my last message today, uh, I went around and around trying to think, well, what do you share on a day like today? You know, <laughs> read through a lot, you know, done, uh, you know, years in kids ministry and the stories and the truth, like, but what do you share on a day like today? You know, what do you share to, to encourage um, this last piece of truth and just say, if I could leave you with something, um, um, what would it be? And I thought it best to look at how the authors of the Bible ended letters and uh, what did they think was the most important thing to, to sign off with. And, and so today, we will get there. So, today I want to share closing thoughts from uh, one of the authors of the New Testament, Paul, in his letter to the Philippians. And in doing so, we may do things a little bit different in here uh, today. Uh, We may need a little bit of crowd participation here today. So, I hope you're okay with that. Um, And if not, it's just kind of how we're going to roll for a little bit here. Um, uh, so we're going to have a little bit of crowd participation, but I'm not going to do anything silly and goofy. Uh, we're, not going to have, we're not going to be acting on a story on the platform here. Nothing's going to make a mess. Nothing's going to blow up or anything like that. Um, uh, and even if you're on the live stream, uh, you can participate in the comments section as well. But I thought, hey, there's a good way to start things off. We're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. And so if you have your Bible with you, take it in your hands and keep it closed. Uh, if you have your phone with you, Open it up and make sure you're closed out of your Bible app, okay? So real important, you can't have your Bible app open, and then you need to lock your phone, okay, so that you would need to use your either facial recognition, okay, or your iPassword to get into that, because we're going to do a little sword drill in the main service here today, okay? So if you've got your Bible, no fingers in the Bible, John, that's right, okay, so Uh, No fingers in the Bible, you can't have that open, all right, no memorizing the page number right now. What we're going to do is we're going to do a little race. We're going to be looking for the book of Philippians chapter 4, okay, Uh, chapter 4, verse 4. So that's a big number, what? Anybody know? Four. That's right. And then a little number, what? Four, right? So we're looking for the big four in Philippians, and then underneath that big four, we're looking for the little number four. We're going to do a race. And so if you're the first one, I just need you to shout out the first word, okay? Feel free to stand up if you want to, otherwise just shout out the first word. And if you're online, you can even type it in there. Uh, So are you guys ready for this? Okay, so take your Bible, put it on your head. Take your phone, put it on your head. All right, no cheating now, okay? All right, so when I say go, we're going to have a little race here. We're going to see if some of our kids can beat the adults in here. All right, we're looking for Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Big 4, little 4. On your mark, get set, go. Ooh, I hear pages turning. I see some of you looking at your phone trying to get it to open. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Rejoice, that's all right. Everyone say rejoice. rejoice. That is the first word. So as some of you are still looking for that or potentially uh, trying to figure out how to use that Bible, if you see someone next to you and they look like they're really confused, don't just laugh at them. Lean over and maybe help them out a little bit, okay? Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Now, um, as we go through this, I want you to think of this in some sense as kind of like a like a pep talk, but with eternal value, okay? Now, many of you probably remember at some point in your life, you got a pep talk. Maybe it was in school, uh, maybe it was when you are a little kid and you're going to ride your bike, or maybe you're a coach or a teacher, or I mean, parents as well, but you've given a pep talk, right? And, and the idea of that is you know that whoever it is you're talking to, they're about to face something or go through something or do something, and you want to get them ready for it. Okay? But the thing is, usually when we're giving a pep talk, our minds are kind of racing. You know, I don't know everything that's going to happen. I don't know exactly how they're going to respond. So I'm just going to hope I say the right words, and, and, and I'm going to hope I get you know, the, the right things out there so they're ready for whatever it is they face. Because even if I think things could go this way, what if it doesn't? That's what I want to get them ready for, okay? I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I want to get them ready. And, like, if you've ridden a bike, learned to ride a bike, or if you've taught someone to ride a bike, you definitely understand this, right? It's the training wheels come off, and we're sitting down with our kids, and it's okay. Once the training wheels come off, they don't go back on, right? Like, we're, we're going to get this. So once they come off, once you say, okay, they're going to come off. And here's the thing you need to understand. You usually tell them, right? You're probably going to fall right? You're probably going to tip over. And guess what? I don't want to be blindsided. It's probably going to hurt a little bit, okay? It just probably is. But you need to decide now, what are you going to do? When you fall over and it hurts a little bit, what are you going to do? You know, we can cry and we can run inside and maybe trip and fall on the platform and have a bigger issue. Um, Or we can get back up on our bike and we can try again. And if we fall over, what are we going to do? And so you kind of get to the point where you ask a question, okay, When you fall, because we all know it's going to happen, what are you going to do? I'm going to get back on, right? That's the response we're looking for. We don't know if they're going to fall hard or soft, whatever it is. We want to get them ready so they can determine right now, how am I going to respond when that happens? When I run into a mailbox or whatever it might be, right? How am I going to respond? You have to determine ahead of time how you're going to respond. And the same thing is true in life. We don't always know what's going to be asked of us. In a good way. It's not always a negative thing, like what bad things are going to happen is we don't always know what is going to be asked of us, maybe by someone around us or by God himself leading us to do something. How am I going to respond when that happens? How am I going to respond when it doesn't make sense what he's asking me to do? Or in life in general, when when things happen, how am I going to respond when it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't look the way I think things should look? How am I going to respond? And I think Paul kind of helps us set us up. These are just a few of his closing thoughts here in the book of Philippians. It's not an all-encompassing thing, uh, but help us get us ready to determine now how are we going to respond in life? When we're asked to do things, when things happen around us, what's going to happen? So let's go ahead and let's read together in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 4, and then going through verse 7. It starts off, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so this morning what I really want to do is just, you know, I think Paul kind of throws in there's really three big things in there. I just want to look at those. Just go through. Here's what Paul thought was really important to leave these people with. And the first thing he said was to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, to rejoice, just kind of make sure we're on the same page. Rejoice would mean to show joy, to feel joy, to express joy. Or we may think of it as showing happiness, excitement. We understand joy is a little bigger than that, but help us understand the word. Now, Paul is not saying rejoice because of your current circumstances. He knew what the people, uh, the Philippian people, he knew what they were going through, how hard it was. Christianity was not the main religion, okay? Christianity was not an accepted religion. It was new. It was different. The people around them worshiped false gods. Paul had been there, arrested, beaten, pretty crazy. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, but it's not because of your circumstances, so in our life, for instance, let's say, you know, winter's coming, maybe there's ice out there, you slip, you break your leg. It doesn't mean, oh, gee, God, thank you so much for this broken leg. It's what I always wanted, actually. I'm just really excited about it. You know, I'm really excited, Lord, in, in two weeks when there's going to be that itch, you know, right down there. And I, even with a pencil, I just can't quite get to it. And God, thank you. Because I know in like six weeks they're going to cut that cast off and my foot hasn't been washed for like six weeks. I'm just really anticipating that moment. Thank you, Lord. Right? I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, okay, the same thing, if, it's whether it's that coworker, that boss, the car breaking down, the, 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 the sickness of you or someone around you. It's not, gee, <laughs> thank you, Lord. I'm just so excited that this is happening to me right now. It's ridiculous. So, what Paul is saying, no, don't rejoice because of your circumstances, but rejoice in the who? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, not just sometimes, but always. To find joy not in something, and certainly not wait for the perfect circumstances to find joy and to rejoice in life, but to find joy in someone, a someone who is constant and never changing, which is why Paul says to rejoice in the Lord. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13 uh, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. See, when you know who God is, when you know what God has done, when you know what God can do, and when you understand the hope that we as believers have, you can find joy in every moment. Because if that was true one day, it's true the next day, and it's true the next day, and it's true forever into eternity. says who God is that we serve. So again, I'm going to go for a little crowd participation here. I think one important thing for us is to understand the true things about God. And and understand that those are powerful truths that we can remember. And so I just want to see. Maybe we'll we'll start with kids here first, and just say, well, "This is a question that we've often asked in our kids' service: is What do you know about our God? What is something that you know is true about our God?" So if you guys, any of you kids in here, raise your hand if you think you got an answer for that one. Anybody? What is true about God? What is true? Okay, Brian, go ahead. He made everything. He is Creator. Right? I don't know about you, I've played with Legos before, and I've built things with Legos, but I never looked at my Lego set and get up and walk, and of started walking around. Anybody here ever done that before? Okay, That'd be pretty sweet, but it didn't happen. That's the God that we serve, creator. He created our bodies, so when our bodies don't line up with the way we think they should function, do you think God knows what's going on in there? Do you think God can take care of it? Absolutely. It's important for us to remember. That's a powerful truth. Anybody else? You got one? What is true about our God? Yeah, what's true? Oh, he loves us. Allergies, I'm telling you. That's not just a Sunday school answer, guys. That's, a, that's an eternal truth. That's an absolute truth. It's not just, a, oh, we say that in church sometimes because it sounds cool. cool. No, God loves us. And if that was true yesterday, then just because today doesn't look the way I think it should look, if I could trust it yesterday, I can trust it today. And even if tomorrow gets worse, guess what? I can trust that God loves me. And, and we can go on and on. We can say God is wise. We can say that God is good. But that's not just a, just a oh, we say that in church and it's cool when someone answers that way in Sunday school class. No, in your darkest moments those are things that we need to hang on to to say because if that was true yesterday it's true right now and it's true tomorrow no matter what's going on even if things get worse and you might say it can't be that simple you know, like you don't understand what i'm going through you don't understand this You don't understand this Again, it's not me saying this. I just wanted to share Paul's thoughts, what he thought was most important. And Paul's a guy who's been shipwrecked. Paul's a guy who's been beaten on many occasions. He's been thrown in jail. Paul offended some people. And so their brilliant idea of responding to that was to pick up rocks and throw them at him. And then when everybody around him thought he was dead, they walked away. And Paul gets up and he keeps on going and sharing about Jesus. This is the guy that's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't rejoice because of your current circumstances, but hang on to what you know is true about God. Because if it was true yesterday, it's true today. If God was good yesterday, then just because today doesn't look the way it wanted to, to look, it doesn't mean that God changed. No, we can still hang on to that and say, God, I know that you are good. If I believed yesterday that you work all things together for uh, the good of those who love you, then even though it doesn't make sense right now, I have to hang on to that and say, somehow it's going to make sense eventually. Maybe not even in my lifetime, but maybe eventually I'll go, God, I get it. If we trusted that God was wise yesterday, and we could say, okay, God, I understand you, you know everything, and, and, and even when things don't make sense, I'm going to trust you. And then we get in the middle of something that doesn't make sense. We can't just stop and say, seriously, God? We have to say, no, no, he was wise yesterday. Now we get to live it out. Now we get to experience what it's like to just trust him, even when things don't make sense. So rejoice in the Lord always, not because of your current circumstances, but in who he is, because he will never change and he will never fail you. So number one, rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Now, second, Paul throws this out there, and it might seem like, okay, that's really kind of changing gears there. It's pretty different. But again, I think it makes sense if, if Paul's sitting there saying, okay, what's really important to, to leave these people with? And, and he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness, right? Can we always describe ourselves as gentle? And I think it's important that when we talk about that, we don't just think of the easy moments, like when we're with a puppy, right, or when we're with our best friends, Right? when you're in a disagreement, when you're in an argument, could we be described as gentle? And so I think it's important to kind of look at the opposite of this to really help evaluate our own lives, right? Especially in the heat of the moment, okay, what does that look like? The opposite would be harsh, rude, insensitive, contentious, right? I mean, I'm sure we could all say at some point in our lives, yep, that might have described me in that moment. That, in the heat of the moment, that very well could have described me, or it definitely described, okay, no, don't do that. Um, but uh, so that'd be kind of the opposite, just kind of just something to hang on to. Just help us understand, okay, that's, that's the opposite. So help me evaluate in my own life. Um, the truth is that those things really are quite normal responses today. Today, if you respond in a rude, a harsh, and in a, a sense of uh, contentious way, it's almost kind of a normal thing. People kind of go, oh, wow, that's a little harsh. But don't really think a lot about it because it's so normal, whereas responding with gentleness is a very countercultural response, right? Uh, that, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb when, when, when you don't you know, go to the next level and, and get heated uh, with somebody. But it's the best way to respond. And um, in the book of Proverbs, we can read something that I think we can all say, hey, I've seen this before. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I think we can all probably think of a situation where maybe we've been the guilty party doing this, or certainly we've seen this. Um, I've had lunch at uh, schools uh, many, 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 many times over the last several years, and I, I love doing that. Uh, one thing you kind of learn to expect is kind of some heated moments at the table. Uh, and So some of you guys in here, uh, you kids, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Okay, You're sitting at the table, and maybe you're talking about a movie, maybe it's a game. Sports gets really heated, right? Uh, who's the best quarterback? I'm telling you, it gets pretty impressive. Um, but you. Usually- it usually goes something like this. Someone's sitting there, and maybe it's a movie. They watch a movie, and oh man, uh, I watched that movie last night. You should really get it. Seriously? I thought that movie was dumb. Right? And then you know what happens next? All of a sudden, it was you attacked me. We're not talking about the movie anymore, okay? Yeah? Well, you're dumb. Okay? And then it starts just getting, like, more intelligent. Yeah? Well, your dog's dumb. Right? And it just, it just goes on and on and on. You, you know what I'm talking about? You, you, you've been there. Some of you kids are like, yeah, I've done that, maybe even. Yeah, but, uh, hey, as adults, we don't just get to laugh at the kids. We do it, too. And today, it sounds a little more like you're in a conversation with someone, you're talking, and somebody goes, oh, so you must be one of those fill-in-the-blank people. Oh, now we're not on that subject anymore. Now you're attacking me. Well, yeah, at least my people, or at least I don't do this. Oh, yeah? Well, are you serious? And, and it just, you know what I'm talking about? And you just, because we, we're no longer on the subject. You attacked me, so now it's gloves up. Now we're going at it, right? It is on like Donkey Kong. And uh, so uh, I'm sure many of you have been there before. So is a, a gentle answer always going to make everything better? No, not always. But I do know that a harsh word is almost always going to stir up anger. So the truth is hey, let our gentleness be evident to all. And before we justify ourselves and say, yeah, but in this situation, in this moment, and I get there are moments where we need to be stern, there are moments where we need to stand our ground, say, mm, not today. But before we justify every moment, we need to remember every moment of our lives is an opportunity, one, to live a life holding and pleasing to God. It's also an opportunity to shine for Jesus. And uh, um, I know just real kind of short story here to help you understand what I'm talking about. When I was at Trinity, um, maybe Trinity students will probably know what I'm talking about here. Uh, I had to to make that decision understand like every little moment. We had a professor that in our theology class, uh, Pastor Ben, I think you'll probably remember Mr. Thurber's tests uh, and how he'd grade you on reading. The thing was you had to grade yourself, right? So it was like instant A, think again, Uh, because uh, you'd grade yourself and it was tiered, you know, and you just check the box. I didn't read it at all. I skimmed it. I read it, and then to get your perfect grade, it was, I read it, I thought about it, and I talked about it, if I remember right. That was your perfect. And so I go in thinking, okay, well, I mean, for the most part, I look through it, and if not, I'll read that last chapter tomorrow. So I'll just say that I read it, okay? Uh, and then I go in there saying, okay, um, did I think about it? Well, I mean, I was reading it, and so I was thinking, so of course I thought about it. Uh, did I talk to somebody about it? Mm, yeah. I mean, I have a roommate, and I told him that I was reading, so sure, I talked about what I read with my roommate. Instant, instant A, right? And so I go to write it down there and I check the box and then he puts. I forget the exact wording, but he would write on there something like, you know, you are signing this in the sight of God. So sign here if you believe this is this is a true and accurate statement. And you go, come on, right? You telling me God cares about whether or not I did my reading exactly like he said? Uh, but in it's kind of a silly moment. But I had to realize in that moment, nonetheless. All right, if I want to be a person of integrity, I gotta be. I gotta be honest here, right? So you give yourself a C or something on there. And the next time you do a little bit better. Um, uh, but no, every moment is important. Every decision is part of living that life holding and pleasing to God. And the truth is, we don't know what's always going to be said. We don't know the conversations that we're always going to be in. But we can choose to let our gentleness, we can choose now that when that happens, that our gentleness would be evident to all in every situation. You might say, why? Well, another big reason is I don't know really I've ever met anybody who said, you know what, I was talking with the Christian the other day, and they offended me so much that I just decided to follow Jesus. Anybody here ever heard that before? I've never heard that before. Now, are we going to offend people as Christians? Yes, the truth offends people, okay? Uh, But that doesn't mean that I need to intentionally offend people because I've never met anybody who said I was so intentionally offended by the person that I decided, you know what, I want to go to your church and I want to see what the rest of you people are like. Um, It just usually doesn't happen that way. Every opportunity is an opportunity to potentially lead someone to Jesus. Does that mean that every conversation ends in salvation? No, no. Um, And is every conversation going to end well? No, no. No. But we can let our gentleness be evident to everybody because every moment of our life matters. It's an opportunity to live a life holy and pleasing to God. It's an opportunity to shine a light for Jesus. And we know if we don't, that opportunity is going to be taken away from us. So see every opportunity that way. So one, rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. rejoice. Number two, be gentle. Everyone say be gentle. Be gentle. And the last one, uh, now I know the Bible isn't a list of do's and don'ts, but there are some do's and don'ts in the Bible, okay? It just kind of makes sense. Uh, And and this one is actually a good one. Uh, Paul says, don't be anxious, okay? Uh, don't, don't do it ever, okay? Uh, don't be anxious about anything. So anxious would be, it's that experience, when you go into a, a new class or a new sport or do something, and you kind of get that uneasiness in your stomach, maybe a little bit nervous, maybe a little bit scared, not sure what's going to happen, right? That's that, that anxious feeling. And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, like that's going to fix anything, right? Oh man, I'm really nervous. Don't do that. <laughs> oh gee, now that you said that, I guess I'm good to go. Doesn't happen like that. But Paul does follow it up and he says, but in everything, by prayer, everyone say prayer. prayer, and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So don't be anxious. Pray. Everyone say pray. pray. Now that don't think of this as a um, uh, 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 like a transaction. A uh, perfect transaction, okay? Uh, d- don't make the mistake of thinking the decision to pray will always change what's happening around you. This isn't McDonald's. This isn't, okay, I go up to the menu and say, God, this is what I want. And you go up to the next menu, the, the window, and you pray, or excuse me, you pay. And then you get to the next one, and you expect in a very short amount of time, right, that they will be handing out those happy meals for your hungry kids in the back seat, and they will be exactly what you prayed for. And if not, you're going to be a little bit frustrated and maybe even go back. That's, that's not the way it works, right? You might say, yeah, but God, are you telling me that God can't change my circumstances? No, absolutely not. Certainly he can. We say he's the creator of the universe. Can he change what's happening in our bodies? Absolutely. He's creator. He loves us. Absolutely he can. I'm just saying that that's not the promise here. I'm just saying that what Paul said here wasn't that. Paul said that when you pray, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The promise is that as you cry out to God, you would experience his peace. His peace that knowledge alone can't bring. Knowledge can help us sometimes say, okay, I get it now. But knowledge alone can't bring the lasting peace that comes from God. And there's times in our life where this is the kind of peace that it just doesn't make sense. God, I don't get what's going on around me. For some reason, I experience peace and the ability to process and make decisions The promise is not that you would be placed in a peaceful situation simply because you prayed, but that you would experience peace in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your circumstances. So again, not that instantly you would be placed in a peaceful situation, but that you would experience peace in the midst of your circumstances, whether it's school, whether it's sports, whether it's new job, sickness, moving, whatever kind of life changes there may be. We don't know every situation that we're going to face. But we do know that if we want to experience peace, if we want to experience peace, we need to be people of prayer. And just, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. I know I've experienced that before. And I don't want to say that I've experienced what you've experienced in your life, okay? So this is, this is just Ryan talking about his own life here. Okay, I'm not saying that I've experienced everything that you're going to experience. And because of what I experienced, you you should uh, trust and follow that. This is God's word that I'm going from. But I know if I experienced that, where it just doesn't make sense. You know, you've been in hospital situations where you sit there and and when when, when Tucker had cancer, I remember um, we got done with treatment and uh, we asked the question, you know, so what ha- like what what do we do? You know, there's like 4 years after this, what what do we do? What what happens if we see a lump, we see a bump or we see something that doesn't look right? Like how do we get a hold of you right away? You know, how, how do we get things going? And 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 I appreciate our oncologists, they were just you know, clear cut and dry and they said quite frankly, there's really no hurry. It doesn't matter. Kids don't make it. You know? Like that's when it comes, <laughs> you know, you hear things like that and you go, whoa, that's, that's a real assist. You feel overwhelmed, but then you say, God, God, help me. It didn't mean that we were all of a sudden removed from the hospital. It didn't mean that all of a sudden the doctors were really nice. and I mean, they they, they were, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't mean that all of a sudden the conversation changed to, oh, but no, everything's perfect and everything's going to be just fine. But in the midst of that, you go, okay, that hit hard. God, I don't get it. But for some reason, I feel like it's going to be okay. And it doesn't mean that I'm 100% confident that he's never going to get cancer again. But for some reason, I still have that feeling like Like, it's okay. I didn't know what's going to happen. I didn't know the outcome of everything. And please don't misunderstand me. This isn't saying I've experienced everything you've experienced. But I've understood that. God, I don't get it. But I reached out to you. And for some reason, I'm experiencing this feeling of it's going to be okay. Having no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Having no idea what's going to happen in this next appointment. But I'm okay to put one foot in front of the other. And I'm okay to keep going. And I'm still having this. No, I, I'm not even doubting you right now. And, and I've had people come up to me and say, But how do you do it? How can you not be angry at God? And part of my response is, I gotta be honest with you, I don't exactly know. <laughs> other than I reached out to a God who I know is creator. I've reached out to a God who I know lost me and lost my son. And if I trusted him yesterday, far be it for me to say all of a sudden, okay, God, life's difficult now. Forget you. Can't do that, right? It was a long couple years of you know that treatment. It wasn't like all of a sudden, bam, I prayed and life was perfect and easy. No, we're still you know, going through some of that. But yet, that peace that surpasses all understanding, or as I like to say, the peace that just quite frankly makes no sense in the moment, but it's there. That's, that's the promise. So if you want to be people who experience that peace, we got to be people of prayer. So number one, rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Number two, be gentle. Be gentle. And number three, I know the slides said don't be anxious, but the three is pray. Everyone say pray. Because the reality is there's going to be moments where we feel anxiety. There's going to be moments where we feel that I don't get it. Maybe we determine now that my response is going to be pray. And not just anticipate that, okay, God, I want what I prayed for. But if you want what you pray for, then get ready to experience that peace that he gives. So kind of bringing this all together, the truth is that we can rejoice because of Jesus. In every single moment, he was good, he is good, and he always will be good. He did love you, he does love you, and he always will love you. Our example of gentleness is Jesus. And the reason we choose to be gentle with Jesus isn't because I want to. It's not going to be a natural response in a heated moment. It's because we want a chance to share Jesus with somebody. And I know that if I don't choose that, opportunity is gone. There's eternal consequences to the decisions that we make. And Jesus is the only one who can bring true and lasting peace. These three truths, these responses, are not all-encompassing. It's not a complete list of everything you need to know as a Christian. It's not even everything you need to know and how to respond to every situation. As I said in the beginning, it be kind of like a, a pep talk with eternal value. Now, maybe the people giving pep talks don't usually cry in front of you, but this one did. A pep talk with eternal value to help us determine how we're going to respond Now. Determine now how we're going to respond later. And with these truths in our heart and our mind, we can not determine now how we're going to respond to life's circumstances. We don't know what God's going to ask of us all the time. We don't always know. Sometimes it's a good thing, but it's an overwhelming thing. But we need to be ready to respond to that. We don't always know what's going to happen in our lives, the difficult situations that we are going to find ourselves in, or the difficult situations that someone around us is going to find themselves in. But we can rejoice in the Lord. We can be gentle, even when we don't want to. And we can choose to pray. And as you do, you'll experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace that, quite frankly, in moments in life, it makes no sense. Except, God is real, and He is working. He is moving in our lives. So this morning. Leave you with that. To rejoice in the Lord. To be gentle. Not just here, everywhere we go. See every moment as an opportunity. And we're going to be anxious every now and then. Maybe a lot of bit. Make your first response to pray. And get ready to experience the peace that only God can bring. so I just want to speak blessing over you this morning and then I want to pray, and then I know Pastor Ben's going to come up in just a moment after that. So if you would just receive this few words here for a moment, and then we're going to pray. I pray that God would bless you, that he would keep you. I pray that you would experience his peace that surpasses understanding. That peace that, quite frankly, in moments you'll find yourself saying, God, I don't get it, but I get it. You're here. May your minds be guarded morning after morning by his peace. And may you find yourselves rejoicing even in the midst of times of discouragement and sadness. May you be blessed with eyes to see every moment as an opportunity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today celebrating, rejoicing together because you are good. You are creator You are the one true God. You are all powerful. You are all wise. You are loving. You care. You hear. God, I thank you that we have that truth that we can hang on to in every moment. I pray your blessing, your favor on this church. Your wisdom on leadership here. In every area of ministry, Lord. Your wisdom. Eyes to see opportunities around expand the reach of this church, Lord, not just in this community, but in this area, Father, that people would walk into the doors of this building with soft hearts and open minds, that it would experience your love, that lives would be changed, that kids would come into kids' ministry here. They'd love it so much, something would click, and they'd say, I want this, and they would drag their parents here. Lord, that you would have your way in the lives of the families represented here, and the people here. Have your way in the ministries here, not just in this building, but to come forth from the the, the group of people here of AFA. Would you be honored? Would you be glorified by what continues to happen here? We give you all honor and all glory. We thank you. We praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. Ben thank you very much